Hello, ako si Des Cavilan. Kayo ay nakikinig sa bagong Rapper Podcast episode kung saan nahihimay natin ang mga may init at mahalagang isyu sa Pilipinas. Ito ang Rapper's Newsbreak, Beyond the Stories. Sa episode na to, mag-uusapan natin ang pagsalakay ng Russia sa Ukraine. Totoo na malayo ang Pilipinas sa Europa at hindi naman tayo direktang kasama sa gulo. Pero hindi ibig sabihin na dapat wala na tayong pakialam sa nangyayari. Ano ang posibleng impact ng gulo nito sa Pilipinas? Bakit importante na hindi neutral ang bansa pagdating dito? Kasama natin ngayon ang rapper reporter na si Sofia Tomacruz who covers foreign affairs. Hi Sofia! Kasama rin natin ang rapper research writer na si Michelle Mabad who follows uh, overseas Filipinos. Hi Michelle! Thank you guys for joining me today. So Sofia, first question goes to you. No? Ano bang reason ng pag-invade ng Russia sa Ukraine? Ano ang background info na dapat malaman ng publiko tungkol dito? Right. So, haba-haba naman yung history ng itong, I mean, the history of Russia and Ukraine. Pero let's confine it to the last few years or the most pivotal moments that led up to this tension. No? So, magkwentuhan na lang tayo ng konti, no, Jadez. But some of the pivotal moments and the ongoing tensions took place as far back as 2014 when protesters in Ukraine first ousted the president at the time who was friendly towards Russia. And the government that followed after that signed a trade agreement that was seen as kind of like a stepping stone to becoming part of the EU. And later in the year, around April 2014, that's when Russia annexed the peninsula of Crimea and two other regions, the Donetsk and Luhansk regions. Those two regions broke off from Ukraine and conflict was mostly confined in these areas for many years. And these have been the sort of front lines in the conflict and ceasefire agreements were later signed in 2014 and 2015 although it was viewed by many as quite ambiguous so that's what happened in 2014 and it really set the stage for you know where we are at today so fast forward to 2021 around the end of 2021 and 2022 russian president vladimir putin wanted to prevent ukraine from moving further toward the west and in december he asked well, he demanded guarantees from European countries in the U.S. that Ukraine would never join NATO. And it also wanted troops to pull back from nearby countries that joined NATO after 1997, I think. And so things that's, the, that's really the background of it all. But things escalated very quickly in the last few weeks when Putin decided to recognize the independence of the two regions I mentioned earlier, those breakaway regions. And he declared later on a special military, what he termed as a special military operation on February 24th, starting really the Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And I think that one thing to point out, because I mentioned a lot of events that took place, is that while we talk a lot about the background, we should also remember that really... This was also a choice on Russia's part to, you know, invade Ukraine and, and spark war. And this, this is where we are at at this point. Yes. You mentioned kanina yung NATO. Can you tell us, Sigurio, briefly, ano ba yung NATO? And bakit ayaw ni Putin na sumali ang Ukraine dito? Mm-hmm. Well, it sees Ukraine joining, joining NATO as a threat to Russia. And, you know, because Ukraine is right beside Russia. And NATO is a security alliance that was formed after the fall of the Soviet Union and Russia doesn't want Ukraine to join it because it sees it's joining it as a threat because it's right at its border um, per se. So it's also part of the reason why they want countries that joined after 1997 to for troops in those countries to be pulled back so that it's as of a threat to Russia. 
And at this point, talaga nakikita natin na aggressive ang Russia when it comes to this issue, when it comes against Ukraine. Pero what is the response so far of Ukraine on this? And lagi bang ganito katapang ang Ukraine ever since? Well, it's been over a week now since ground war fighting really began. And as we've seen on the news, Nojadas, Ukraine has been putting up a fierce resistance that Russia didn't quite expect. You know, a lot of experts were saying that they expected this whole thing to be over in a couple of days. And that's not really the case. That's happening right now. And the country's capital, Kiev, is still under Ukrainian control. And its people are really fighting back and defending their country. Yeah. And one thing that I find interesting or interesting pero maganda mas tignan ay yung global response sa Russian invasion. Can you tell us ano yung response ng mga international organizations or, or other countries regarding dito? And are you seeing na uh, unprecedented ito compared to other global issues? Mm-hmm. Well, there are a couple of dimensions to the response, no? First, in a broader sense, there's the condemnation that's apparent in the position that countries are taking. So most recently, you saw that on display at the United Nations General Assembly. No? It was an emergency General Assembly that was called last week. And just to, you know, you're, you're talking about if this is unprecedented, it's only, it's the first to be called in the last 40 years and only 11th that has taken place in all, in the entire history of the UN. And so during that General Assembly, the outcome of that, it happened over, it spanned a couple of days, but the outcome of that is that out of 193 countries, 141 countries, including the Philippines, voted to condemn Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So they voted to support the resolution that the General Assembly was tackling. And that resolution called for a halt to the fighting, and it urged countries to take the path of diplomacy. So, you know, not to well, persist with the fighting and instead you know, go go take the path of talks and de-escalating the whole situation. It also demanded Russia to withdraw its forces and it demanded that safe passage for civilians is secured, not only civilians, but also humanitarian aid. And that it mentioned explicitly that, you know, any territory that is being gained right now by the use of force won't be recognized. And the resolution isn't legally binding, we should point that out, but it is symbolic and it does carry political weight. And more than anything, it reflects, you know, Russia's growing isolation, I think, in the international stage. And that's one dimension of the response, as I have mentioned. But, you know, aside from this, there's also the dimension where the U.S. and other countries are sending more defense equipment to Ukraine. And you saw that in how the U.S. or you saw that, you know, on the news again in how, for example, Germany allowed for military equipment, arms to be uh, given to Ukraine. And you also see alongside the defense aspect that in the business sphere, there are large companies that have pulled out of Russia or others have also taken a stand in a sense by stopping their services in in Russia, like Netflix and Twitter saying that, um, you know, they won't be posting new tweets. But there's also, and the third aspect, I would say the most important one, I think, is also the financial and economic sanctions that are being, you know, imposed right now on Russia. And this is mainly by the U.S., European countries, and several other states that are joining in this. And this includes really, you know, cutting off Russia's, some of Russia's largest banks, some of its oligarchs from the global financial system. And you saw how foreign governments are also moving to seize Russian oligarchs' yachts and flats, mansions, freezing their assets. And most recently, in a very significant development, U.S. President Joe Biden banned the import of Russian oil, gas, and coal. And 
the UK said that they would join in this. So, you know, these kinds of economic responses and, and sanctions were unthinkable, really. And a lot of experts were saying that, in a way, Russia kind of backed that these kinds of sanctions wouldn't be taken Precisely because it not only hurts Russia, it also hurts the countries and the economies that are inflicting such sanctions. But then, as we've seen, you know, the world has really put up a united front in this effort. And, you know, like I mentioned, these are really painful sanctions that hurt Russia a lot. But then they also don't leave countries like the U.S. and Europe and other countries um, unscathed. And so the message here really is that's being sent is that, you know, acts of war and aggression in this day and age will be met with very severe consequences. And alongside that, also defend, you know, defending democracy is worth yeah. the cost of some of these sanctions. Yes. So in the face of this, parang andaming sanctions, andaming mga global response, basically sabi mo kanina na isolate ang Russia na, bakit putuli pa rin ginagawa ni Putin yung mga ginagawa niya? What drives him? Can you help us understand this man? Ano yung mga reasons niya or what is it with the psyche that makes him insistent on what he wants to do? Kasi ang nababasa ko rin online na kahit mga Russians themselves are against this war and they're saying it's Putin's war, not Russia's war. So what is with this guy, with, with Putin? Right, there's a sentiment of some Russians now, but yeah, important to zoom out and look at the big picture as well. So many experts see Putin's moves now as a part of his bigger desire to have Russia be the power that it was in Soviet days. And this is also something that President Putin has mentioned in many speeches. Like, for example, he many people are recalling now how in previous years he he attributed or he described the fall of the Soviet Union as one of the greatest you know, like geopolitical disasters that happened in the 20th century. And, you know, he wants to restore. It's really him wanting to restore. I mean, the bigger picture, yes. It's a part of him wanting to restore the power that Russia had during the Soviet days. And in a way, it's also, I think, the product of not strong enough of a pushback in terms of Russia's early actions. Like I mentioned, Nojides, at the beginning of our, our discussion, in back way back in 2014, for instance, when Russia annexed Crimea, and um, you know, sanctions at the time weren't nearly as harsh as they are now, or global condemnation wasn't as loud. And not just in 2014, but we can perhaps go back to 2008 when there was a five-day war between uh, Russia and Georgia, and world reaction perhaps also wasn't strong enough. So Putin has taken th- those events into account, and. In a way, it's also pushed him to take the actions that he's taken recently. Yeah. So from that na major bigger picture, pasok naman tayo sa Philippines no and its context ng Pilipinas dito. Pilang direkta na hindi naman tayo direkta na involved sa grupo na to. Ang daming sentiment or unang isipin ng mga tao ay yung kapahanan ng mga Pilipino doon. Given na maram laki ang presence ng Pilipino, ng Pilipino, mga Pilipino sa iba't ibang bansa. Michelle, can you give us a background then of Filipinos in Ukraine? Gano ba sila kadami doon at primarily ano yung ginagawa nila doon? So before the crisis, yung Department of Foreign Affairs sa monitor sila ng 380 or at least more than 300. Tapos nung nag-start na yung crisis, yung DFA nag-account naman sila for 181, comprised of household service workers, meron din mga teachers, Filipinos married to Ukrainians, and yung mga workers din in other jobs. So, yung mga presence ng Filipinos in Ukraine, hindi siya ganun ka-significant, pero meron pa rin mga hundreds na kasama doon. So, hindi mo masyadong makikita ang Filipinos sa demographic stats ng mga nasa Ukraine kasi hindi siya gaanong significant, pero meron pa rin naman. Yeah. 
but Michelle, Ukraine is in Europe, no? And hindi naman sila separated by huge bodies of water, unlike in the Philippines, when you compare to the rest of the Asia. And there are worries that the conflict could spread to other countries kasi hindi din alam kung anong gagawin ni Putin at this point. May data ka ba kung ilan nga ba ang mga Pilipinas region na to sa Europe in the first place? And do you think that if this happens na mag-spread yung gulo war to other countries in Europe, that will put a huge tent sa Philippines or the Filipinos doon? Mm-mm. Relatively, yung Europe hindi siya ganun ka-rich in OFWs compared dun sa neighboring na Middle East. No? Yung latest data natin sa Philippine Statistics Authority as of 2020 is 169,554, which is mga 7.7% ng distribution ng OFWs worldwide. Pero I think hindi pa kasama dito yung permanent migrants. So ito yung mga temporary Filipino workers na are on contracts, unemployment contracts abroad, no? So, medyo hindi updated yung DFA data sa distribution ng OFWs, pero usually ang tinatag na pinakamaraming talagang Pinoy sa Europe is nasa Italy, which is a few borders away from Ukraine. And yun nga, pag-uusapan natin later yung sa impact no, yeah. nung sa, sa Europe, but then yun yung data as of recently. So, what are Filipinos in Ukraine or in Europe saying about the Russian invasion? Ano yung kinakatakot nila? And... From what I remember, di ba may mga Filipino na umuwi na dito sa Pilipinas pero may mga iba na nag, umalis lang or ng Ukraine nagpunta sa ibang mga bata sa Europa. Ano yung mga sentiments nila pagdating dito sa Russian invasion? Mm-mm, totoo yan, Judas. Parang mahirap mag-speak for the entire community kasi iba't-iba yung context nila. But I think based on sa mga na-research ko, we can imagine them in two ways. So yung ones that are focusing on putting themselves into safety. Tapos yung iba naman na hindi pa in imminent danger, yung iba sa kanila sumasali sa mga anti-war protests. So, doon naman tayo sa first one, yung, yung nasa imminent danger, yung nasa Ukraine talaga. So, meron isang group, United Filipino in Ukraine. Tapos, nakapagsalita na rin sila sa media, but then makita mo, meron silang Facebook page. Public yun, hindi sila group eh, but the way that they're using their Facebook pages para siyang group. Tapos mostly advisories yung pinapost nila. So yung mga makikita mo dun sa page na yun is mga anong dapat gawin, halimbawa mag-charge ng mga device, mag-stock up sa mga pagain tsaka sa cash, and keep communication lines open, especially with the Philippine consulate and the Philippine embassy in Warsaw. And then meron din yung mga announcements, halimbawa kung may bus na papuntang Lviv, which is a city that's closer to the Polish border. Kasi karamihan sa mga Filipinos in Ukraine are based sa Kiev, which is the the capital, which is around this in the center geographically sa country ng Ukraine. So ayun, may mga announcements na ganun and really just keeping safe. Dun sa page na yun in particular, yung sa United Filipino in Ukraine, wala kang makikita masyadong condemnation kasi syempre parang diba, may isip mo na first priority talaga nila is safety. Tapos, ayun. But then at the same time, dahil sabi ko na hindi siya masyadong same with yung sa with regard to context, hindi lahat gustong umuwi ng Pilipinas. Kasi meron mga gustong sumama lang sa employers nila because they were promised na they would bring them to neighboring countries such as Romania. Tapos meron mga kanya-kanyang pumunta sa neighboring countries kasi meron silang visa na pupunta doon. And then, sabi nga ni Foreign Undersecretary Sara Ariola sa isang press briefing, it's difficult to uproot a migrant worker kasi marami talaga silang kailangan i-consider. And yun, parang yung iba naman na hindi pa napapat- na natatama ng gyera, nakikiisa sila sa apektado. So, Sophia mentioned earlier na may global condemnation. Tapos, may mga protests na, that are denouncing and, con- and condemning 
the war and the invasion from Russia. Tapos may report yung ABS-CBN na may mga Filipinos na sumali sa mga anti-war protests na nangyayari sa ibang-ibang parts ng Europe. And meron sa London, Ireland, Bologna, sa Italy. And then may mga progressive groups like Migrante and Bayan Europe who have released statements that are calling to stop the war. Tapos meron naman statement from the concerned seafarers of the Philippines na nananawagan ng tulong kasi may mga vessels na may Pinoy na natamaan daw ng bomba. At least one was injured based sa statement nila. And then yeah. yun, nananawagan sila sa DFA na matugunan yung mga pangangailangan ng mga OFWs natin. Yes. So, given that, Sophia, and dami-daming social media discourse tungkol sa stand ng Pilipinas dito sa conflict. This is coming from din sa mga stand ng mga presidential candidates. Pero hindi natin pag-uusapan yung mga yun muna ngayon. Siguro, Sophia, first siguro, what is the stand of the Philippine government regarding the conflict? Can you tell us, are they neutral or are they neutral at first or at the beginning, ever since condemnation na sila? Kasi di ba, I remember, they sided with the majority sa United Nations. Pero sa mm-hmm. Philippines government mismo ba dito sa Pilipinas, ano yung parang face or process nila pagdating doon sa stand na yun? Mm-hmm. Right. So, nag-evolve yung Philippine position from first focusing on yung welfare ng mga Filipinos in Ukraine. Understandably, kasi it's one of the pillars of our foreign policy, no? To, safe, to ensure the safety of our overseas Filipino workers. So, aside from that, the first statement that they released early on was saying that the safety of Filipinos in Ukraine was its chief and singular concern. Tapos, nag-evolve siya sa statement calling for a peaceful resolution and then eventually condemning, explicitly condemning the invasion of Ukraine and Russia's actions. So, like what I mentioned, it's important to point out that the Philippines does consider what's taking place as the invasion, quote-unquote, of Ukraine. And I think, and I say it's important to to point that out because, you know, choosing to consider what's happening right now either as a war or invasion is a political statement. Um, not all countries are taking that line. So that's definitely a position that the Philippines has taken mm-hmm. in its most recent statement and its latest position on the matter. So it also called for... It continued to call for a stop in the hostilities. And interestingly, if you study their uh, latest statement, they suggested that Russia has the bigger burden in stopping the, the ongoing hostilities because they mentioned, and um, I'll just quote it to be exact. They said, while an offense can be stopped at will, the defense cannot rest until the offense stops. So you know who the defense is here and you know who the offense is here. Yeah. And so, and apart from that, it specifically also called out Russia's move to recognize the independence of two breakaway regions as a reason to move into Ukraine. And they mentioned that explicitly when they said, and again, I'll just quote it to be exact, quote, we especially condemn the use of separatism and secession as a weapon of diplomacy for inviting and inflicting terrible cruelties and indiscriminate killings far in excess of that of any other kind of conflict. That was a reference to what Russia did in, in recognizing yeah. the two, two regions as a, as a reason to move in. And lastly, of course, the Philippines continued to call on parties to show its commitment to, and specifically, the Manila Declaration of on the Peaceful Settlement of International Disputes. And this is a document that, you know, the Philippines spearheaded back in the 80s, and it's something that the United Nations Assembly adopted in November 1982. And really, the document just says that it sees countries recommit to solving any dispute through the use of peaceful means, and like precisely the opposite of what's yeah. happening right now. It's also considered really one of the most important achievements of a committee in the UN that tackles 
really how to strengthen the UN as an organization and, and its charter. But the thing to point out here is that, yes, we our latest position on the matter is that we consider it an invasion and we explicitly condemn it. Yeah. Sophia, I'm curious, what drove this evolution sa stand nila? If you recall the other global issues na nagkaroon ng vote sa United Nations, the Philippines usually abstain or reject. Pinakaparang naalala ko recently, si Samian Mar, di ba? Or is it dahil sa severity ng situation? Is it because medyo parang na pressure na sila sa moves ng other countries? No, I think for example, what makes not to compare yeah. tragedies, that's the last thing I want to do. But for example, I think one thing that makes Myanmar different from Ukraine is that, you know, you have country, a neighboring country that invaded its other, its neighboring country. So Russia invaded Ukraine. And if you look, for example, at Myanmar, countries consider it an internal conflict. There was a, a coup, right? A military yeah. coup that happened right after an election. This is different because it's a, a country sparking war with another country. And that really upends the current the international order that we have experienced over the last few decades where it was a time of relative peace. There was no wide-scale conflict, you know, that happened since World War II. And this is the first where you see a war breakout in, in such a scale and in Europe. And so I think... It really disturbed the peacetime that was in place since World War II, no? And I think that's one reason. And World War II, as we know, is the UN, for example, it was precisely created to stop these kinds of things. And yeah. the and the Philippines has always played a, I would say, a unique role in the UN. Like for example, we pushed for you know for like we were part of the push for every single country to have one vote in the UN for 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 all for all states to be recognized as equal you know one doesn't have a in the general assembly at least like one doesn't have more or your vote is equal everyone's vote is equal yeah. right and so i think that's one reason why the philippines took this position it's part of our it's really part of our history as a country as well and in the role that we've played in in these groups yeah pero Sophia, why is neutrality not the way to go when it comes to, to the Russian invasion of Ukraine? We know that in social media in the Philippines, especially, I won't name the camp, but some camp was criticizing another presidential candidate for siding with Ukraine, saying that the Philippines should be neutral. But why is neutrality not the best thing to do right now with the, in the current context? Mm-hmm. Well, first off, Nordjadez, it goes back to what you said in the beginning. What happens between Ukraine and Russia isn't just confined no, to Ukraine and Russia. So, for instance, the Philippines say we uphold the rule of law. We urge countries to abide by international law when our own interests are affected. So, for example, sa West Philippines lang or sa South China Sea, we this is always a common. This is one of our common refrains. No, this is one of the core things that, that are part of our messages. And so we should be consistent with that. Otherwise, our words don't really mean much if we say we want the rule of law to be followed here, yet we don't call for the rule of law to be followed everywhere else in the world. Yeah. I think also what's happening in Ukraine, part naman din to ng struggle of, you know, preserving democracy worldwide and um also peace, which we're a frontline state in. Because um, you know, the same way that what's happening right now in Russia between Russia and Ukraine is also really a test of democracy and how it's been declining over the years and how strong the world can put up a united front to protect that. We're also a frontline state in that in that fight. 
and as we've learned throughout the years no, in the struggle, you really can't yield an inch when you're trying to protect and fight for democracy. And, and the way to protect it also is by exercising those rights and those freedoms. So when we say, when we take a position that is against that, you know, it's also a way to protect the democracy that we enjoy today. And I think I want to mention what Ukraine's permanent representative to the United Nations told countries who took a line to abstain from the UN General Assembly resolution, you know, or wanted to abstain on the thinking, of course, that it's not the war, it's not their war. So yung sabi niya, it's a mistake to abstain because, when I quote, the evil will never stop. It requires more and more space to conquer. And if tolerated, it will only advance further and further. And we really have seen that and how things have played out now, no, Judas. Like, kagaya nung sinabi no ko kanina, so 2014, what happened when Russia annexed Crimea and in, in 2008 with Georgia, really, you need to call things out. You need to keep calling things out and you need to make sure you're consistent with it. And I think everybody has a role to play in protecting democracy. Pero kagaya nang sinabi mo about the, the president and, and the presidential candidates, more so if you are the leader of a country and if you hold the, and you are the most powerful person in a country. Yes. Now naman punta tayo sa impact nito sa Philippines and Filipinos. Michelle, muna, ano impact ng gulo sa Filipinos in Europe specifically? Ano yung parang worst case scenario sa nakikita mo? or na masasabi ng mga migrant workers or mga migrant groups sa Europe? Siguro, siguro, start tayo dun sa pinaka-Filipino sa Ukraine, kung ano nangyayari sa kanila. So, bef- beyond the numbers, nakakahilaba talaga yung dinadanas ng mga Filipinos that are affected by the crisis. Before the full-fledged invasion, nung time na rising pa lang yung tension, sabi ng Department of Foreign Affairs na may mga Pinoy na ayaw talaga umalis ng Ukraine kasi kumakapit sila sa mga trabaho nila. At umaasa daw yung mga pamilya nila sa Pilipinas sa remittances nila. Meron din na nakwento ng DFA at ng mga Philippine officials and diplomatic officials natin na may significant um, sector, which is yung mga Filipina women who are married to Ukrainians based sa info ng DFA. Mula nung nagdeklara ng martial law si Ukraine President Vladimir Zelensky nung February 24, bawal na kasi lumabas yung mga Ukrainian men aged 18 to 60. Tapos may konting exemptions, pero most, for most cases, hindi sila pwedeng lumabas ng bansas kung sakaling kailangan sila for defense. So, sabi ng ambassador natin to Poland, um, heart-wrenching decision daw ang kinailangang harapin ng mga OFWs natin or yung mga Filipinos who are married to Ukrainians kasi kailangan nilang pumili to stay, to keep the family together or to go home to the Philippines and then, at kailangan nilang iwanan yung mga husbands nila sa Ukraine at dalhin yung mga anak nila to safety sa Pilipinas or sa ibang bansa. So, hindi rin nagligtas yung seafarers natin, particularly yung mga nakabase dun sa Black Sea, which is directly below Ukraine. And sa Rappler, meron tayong isang contributed video ng isang seafarer na naka-witness mismo ng bombing sa area kung nasan siya ngayon. And then, ayun, like I said kanina sa statement ng concerned seafarers, may mga barko na, mins- na mismong tinatamaan ng bomba daw at kung saan may mga nakasakay na Filipino na marino. At least one daw yung na-injure. At hindi basta-basta pwedeng i-abandon ship kasi daw kailangan ng clearance from the ship owner. But on the immediate level, bukod sa mga less dramatic stories, if I would put it that way, yung mga hindi pa nadadamay sa gulo sa ibang parts of Europe, 
migrante, sabi nila, nararanasan din ng mga Pinoy sa Europe yung pagtaas ng presyo ng langis, just like we are experiencing here in the Philippines. And nagtataas na daw din ng um, bayaran sa mga kuryente at mga iba pang bilihin. Dagdag ko lang kasi uh, on that remark na may mga nagsistay before para sa hanap buhay. Uh, it's similar to the narrative that we all that we know all too well pagdating sa mga OFW who stay in the Middle East kung saan may bansang may decades long na conflict no. Dati may nakausap ako ng OFW na may na anak ng OFW na ipinas lang ng ISIS and hopefully no Filipino's daughter will have to experience the same due to the Russian invasion. Pero Sofia, it's sad pero or bad way to look at it. Pero minsan kasi may mga tao na hindi sila para magkikare about something unless may direct impact sa kanila, no? We've seen it minsan sa drug war, di ba? Pero tingin mo, what's the most immediate real-life impact of the conflict in the Philippines? Beyond siguro sa mga Filipinos in Europe. Ano yung mm-hmm. parang long-term na nakikita niyong mangyayari din? Alright, so dalawang aspeto no, Judes, yung immediate impact at yung long term. For the immediate impact, like Michelle mentioned, higher oil prices and energy prices and higher prices as well of commodities. So we see that happening already. You know, we see that happening already today. <laughs> That's why it's very immediate. But in the long term, really, like I mentioned a while ago, this is part of defending the democratic space we have, not just here in the country, but all, all over the world. And if it erodes, abroad and across the world it will reach a point where it, the same thing happens here we're already seeing that taking place and so really the long-term impact of this is that if it succeeds if you know we don't protect against democracy in what's happening between ukraine and russia our own democracy is much weaker in the same way that if we don't protect and and go back to peace and make a strong statement that you know acts of aggression and war, if we don't make a strong statement that those kinds of actions will be punished, then, you know, it really, it affects our way of life as well because things become, the world becomes much more unstable. And there's an immediate impact, let's say, also, I would, I, honestly, I would argue as well that there's an immediate impact for that because we have overseas Filipinos, we have so many overseas Filipinos abroad. And so, and we rely on them to raise families that are here back home, to provide for families here here back home. And also, of course, their remittances help keep our economy afloat as well. And so, when we're talking about the impact of all these things, part of the immediate impact as well is the way such kinds of conflicts, you know, affect our, our overseas Filipinos. And um, yeah, in the long term, it's really just about the kind of democratic freedoms that we enjoy and the peace, really, that we enjoy right now in the, over the last few decades. Sophia, there are discourses online that I'm seeing that what's happening now with Russia, it will set precedent to China and its plans in basically in Asia. What are experts saying about this? What are you seeing so many experts are looking at China right now and how it's positioning itself. Because if you recall, no, some weeks ago, President Xi and President Putin had vowed that their country's friendship had, quote-unquote, no limits. This is during the Olympics. And also that there would be, quote-unquote, no wavering in their partnership. So really, all eyes are on China right now to see how and if it will play a role in trying to de-escalate tensions and, and, trying, and, if, and if it could successfully pull back Russia um, or if it will even really try. And I think apart from that also, no, the the reason why China is kind of being pulled into this conflict as a main player is really, you know, the international response over Ukraine could also serve as a warning 
um, of what China can expect if it decides to venture towards, I mean, use the same path, let's say, use force on Taiwan or other areas to assert its own interests. So really, that's why it is setting a precedent for China right now. China is also very much closely watching and has a lot of interest at stake um, in what's happening in Ukraine and Russia. I can imagine China on the sidelines looking menacingly sa mga nangyayari waiting to attack. Pero hopefully hindi mangyari yun, no? So for my last question, Michelle and Sofia, maybe Michelle can start. What can the public do in the face of this Russian invasion of Ukraine? It can parang sobrang easy maging parang feeling na helpless kasi malayo tayo. Pero as you mentioned nga kanina na hindi lang to isang gulo na sa vacuum lang. It will impact everyone in the world. Uh, including the Philippines and Filipinos overseas, ano dapat yung parang pwede nilang gawin or pwede nilang bantayan habang nangyayari itong mga gulo na to, Michelle? I think maybe to start with the level on of overseas Filipinos, I think it's very important to keep calling on the government, the Philippine government, and perhaps also our allies to always prioritize the safety of our Filipinos in Ukraine and in Europe, even if it relatively does not have a significant number of Filipinos compared to neighboring countries in the Middle East or in other parts of the world. Innocent lives pa rin naman ang apektado dito eh. And kasama dyan talaga ang OFW, mga OFW natin na nangibang bansa because they just wanted to provide for their families. Bigger picture, I think this is a superpower that's attacking another nation, a smaller nation. And this does not necessarily allude to China with regard to yung, yung question kanina. But, you know, what if one day the same thing happened to us? Not necessarily from China, but, you know, from any other superpower. And I think we should just at least think about this conflict with, with the framing and the mindset that there are innocent lives here that are affected in these situations, and especially as we're just starting to move away from the health crisis, which is the coronavirus pandemic. So, diba, parang kakatapos lang natin, or we're getting out, rather. Hindi <laughs> pa, pa tapos yung COVID, pero we're getting out of it. And then biglang magkakaroon ng ganito. And like, once again, our lives are going to be disrupted. Hindi lang yung pinaka-affected na communities dito sa Ukraine, tsaka sa Russia, and sa Europe. But then, as we've been talking about kanina pa, sobrang pwede pa itong mag-spill over sa iba't-ibang consequences and more innocent lives can be affected by this crisis. Yeah. Uh, Sophia? Yeah. So, just to pick up off of what of Michelle what Michelle said, no, I think another thing really that people should take away from what's happening in Ukraine is to be vigilant about similar threats here. They don't have to be overtly the same. No, It's not like we need to be vigilant about any invading force or, or whatever. But then, that being said, you know, Russia's invasion of Ukraine also didn't suddenly happen in the blink of an eye. It was, as we've seen, and as we learn more about what's happening, um, this was a product of things that have happened over the years. And years and years also of really institutions weakening, not us, the world community, not being vocal against actions that were taken earlier on and years before. So really, when things, when there are threats to, to democratic freedoms and there are threats to the rule of law or the rule of or you know laws are being weapon weaponized i think we should call that out and and or if propaganda is being spread call it out and demand action also from governments to ensure that you know it doesn't fester to the point where you know our institutions are weakened and when it's time to when there's a you know very real existential threat that you can no longer or or it's hard for these for these um institutions to defend itself and it's hard for for, for us to reclaim the space that was lost all over, for, over the last few years. So really, to be vigilant about similar threats and to 
protect the freedoms that, that yeah. we enjoy today, no? Yes. Napakadaming diskusyon na dapat kawin tungkol sa issue na to. Kasi napakadaming na nuances, napakadaming sides dito. Pero the fact of the matter is, this is a war. It's a Russian invasion of Ukraine. Parang very uh, slop-sided siya kasi hindi naman ganun kalaki ang Ukraine compared to Russia. And that's what you said niya kanina. Dapat talaga i-call out sila and continue, continue lobbying the governments the government, the Philippine government specifically, to take a concrete action against what's happening, may, whether it be in the United Nations or elsewhere. So, ayun na, ang daming discussion nga, and gusto nyo dalhin nito sa kasama ang iba't iba pang mga Pilipino, pwede kayo sumali sa isang Rappler Facebook group sa Facebook para ituloy ang discussion. Ang paano ng Facebook group na to ay Rappler Room, at sabi nga kanina ni Sofia ay closely connected ito sa presidential elections. At para sa ating mga listeners na gusto subal sa discussion about election issues kasama itong Russian invasion of Ukraine, pwede kayo subal sa Facebook group na Rappler na PH Vote. Makikita nyo ang link ulit sa comment section. Maraming salamat Sofia at Michelle for joining me today. Ang dami ko natutunan, particularly sa mga nangyayari sa Filipino, sa Europe, at pati yung uh, diplomatic uh, side of things in the United Nations. Thank you for having us today. Thank you, Jodas. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. If you would like to be updated on this and other issues, huwag kalimutan na i-follow ang Rappler and News Race sa Facebook, pati na rin sa Twitter. Kung gusto mo na access to exclusive content and events, pwede ka sumali sa Rappler Plus. Kung meron ka namang gusto na topic that you think we should discuss in our podcast, pwede ka mag-email sa investigative at rappler.com. Again, I am Jodas Gavilan, and this is News Break Beyond the Stories. <laughs> If you enjoyed this podcast, help us continue to do what we do by contributing to Rappler. You can support us by making a donation of any amount through rplr.co slash support Rappler. That's rplr.co slash support Rappler. Or click on the link in the description. Your donation directly supports fearless, independent journalism in the Philippines.